Amen. You may be seated again. Thank you, students. Did they do a great job this morning? It's truly a joy to watch them serve, to see them come along. I forget when we did our first time that they led in worship, and they just kind of sit up here and just were quiet and didn't really know what to do, nerves and fear and all of those things. And so um, it's just a, a joy to watch them grow and to serve the Lord um, and uh, it's awesome. So thank you, students, for doing that and for putting in the time. And um, We are starting a brand new uh, study, I guess you would say, and maybe not a series, but a study. We are going to be going verse by verse through the book of Mark, uh, and, and we're going to be doing that for quite a while. Uh, we will break it up with some small little studies in between, but uh, my desire of teaching and preaching uh, and leading our church is to touch on topics as we need to, but when we, get, when we dive into a book, uh, there's just something to me uh, about not being in a rush. Uh, I'm in no hurry to get through the, the, the verses and the chapters of uh, this book of Mark or when it was Galatians or First uh, Peter or whatever else it's been that we've gone through verse by verse. My intention is to teach through the Word of God to the best of my ability and to give those truths that are in there to you as opposed to just going, all right, we're going to go through the book of Mark in the next 10 weeks. Well, there's a lot of stuff in there to do that, so we're going to take our time. So uh, next year at this time, we'll probably still be in the book of Mark, and some of you will go, well, that's a really long time, and others of you will love it, and I apologize on either end, but uh, I think it's good to go through and dive into each verse, but it's going to be awesome uh, through this study in the book of Mark. If nothing else, um, the Gospels are what? It's the good news, but the Gospel is, it's Jesus' life, so for however long we're literally studying the life of Christ, which is pretty awesome. And so we've kind of done a, a little bit of a subtitle, I guess, Walking with Jesus through Mark. And uh, I, I, just for this, this week, I, this statement is not going to be one that, you, that is used throughout the entire study. But this statement uh, I wrote down, and uh, I believe it'll, it'll, you'll see how it comes together as we go through the sermon. But it says this, the results we seek are only as deep as the preparation we have. The results that we seek are only as deep as the preparation that we have. Mark in the book of Mark is a, uh, he writes very directly. He writes, maybe it's brief. Uh, maybe we would say it's a little bit blunt uh, and truly unique in how he shares his story of Jesus. He shows him as a man of action, a, a worker and a servant. Some would say, the title of the book of Mike, uh, Mark would be, uh, the gospel is entitled, uh, Suffer, The Suffering Servant, and how Jesus has walked and the things that Jesus did throughout his time on earth. Mark's gospel was a, maybe a bit forceful, yet it was down to earth. It was conversational, it was abrupt at times, it was graphic, it truly hit on the everyday things of Jesus. We see a lot of his gestures and his emotions through this book. We will look at his anger and his displeasure, and it all begins for Mark, not in the manger, not with a baby, but it begins with the preparation of the coming of the Lord. It all begins with his messenger, the, the one with the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. 
It is believed that Mark's gospel, as we look at some of the history, was largely penned from sermons of Peter or teachings of Peter or maybe as some would say it's the memoirs of Peter. In all likelihood, Mark completed his gospel either while accompanying Peter in Rome in the uh, later early A.D. 650s or 60s or maybe it was shortly after the passing of Peter in the mid to late 60s. It was written for in, in large part towards Gentile believers of Rome. It was evidenced of many of his Aramaic uh, terms and some of the explanations that were not there, uh, or that were there, I'm sorry, that spoke of Jewish customs because he would explain things that naturally towards a Jewish person they would not need the explanation to. Or maybe as certain things were taken out in his book that he did not speak of in his writings, similar to the ge- genealogy or some of the Old Testament references, it also speaks of time in regards to a Roman system a little bit different than some of the others. His purpose, very similar to the others, would be to articulate the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, with a clear evangelistic message. But there's a lot of history that we will go through as we go through the book We will look at some of Mark's dealings with Peter and some of Mark's dealings and all of the different things of his life and ministry. But for this morning, I want to jump back to that thought. The results that we seek are only as deep as the preparation we have. The title of the sermon is Prepare the Way. And Mark begins this book with the beginning of the gospel. It says in verse number one, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is just that, the beginning of God the gospel. If we were to really just kind of dive into this, and I'll I'll share some of this, I believe it'll make sense. It is the beginning of the greatest story that's ever been told. It is the beginning of maybe what we might call the wildest story the world has ever known. It is the beginning of what would become the darkest day the world had ever seen. It is the beginning of the greatest triumph the world had ever been experienced to. The brightest light the world would ever experience the greatest power the world has ever seen. And yet God planned, this is, this is what blows my mind over and over and over again in my studies of Scripture, it blows my mind. It is all of those things, but God planned and used a man born of sin to be the one that would go before and prepare the way for the Lord. That's where this story begins, with John the Baptist preparing the way. It is my prayer as we begin this study and as we get into the book of Mark that we will walk with Jesus, that we would experience the preparation of John the Baptist as well as the agony of Jesus while he is being tempted by Satan, or maybe it's the joy of the leper who is cleansed by the Messiah, the great physician. That we might weep with our Savior as he experiences the rejection from his own people, yet experience the feeding of the five or of the thousands. That for someone who may hear the sermons and the messages, or maybe, Lord willing, it will be many, that hear these stories would begin a walk with Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It is my prayer that throughout this study as believers we would be drawn to Him, but that we would understand that it is you and I who are called to prepare the way of the Lord That we may lead and see those in our community come to the Lord in repentance for the remission of sins as is spoken in these first few verses. The statement that I have now given a couple times, the results we seek are only as deep as the preparation we have is not so much this morning for you and I 
to just begin to look at our lives and how can I be a better husband and prepare more? How can I work better at at make a, a better living or do all of those things and the preparations that we do? Those all of those things are very good. I hope that you prepare for work and I hope that you are working towards being the best husband or father or uh, wife or mother or son or daughter, whatever it is. But the reality of what we're looking at here is the preparation, spiritually speaking, to do what God has called for us to do. Sometimes I can only speak for me, but sometimes and so often I go about doing the things that I do, but I'm truly not as prepared as I probably ought to be. I'm not as prepared In the Word of God, I've not been prepared enough in my time of prayer or in my studies that when I face somebody at the store, when I face somebody at a coffee shop, or when I'm talking to somebody that may come through the doors, I may not be quite as prepared as I ought to have been for when they walked through the door and had that conversation with me. See, we are are the ones today that are the John the Baptist. See, John the Baptist was coming and he was preparing the way for the Messiah. He was speaking of the Messiah that had come and he was speaking to the people and saying, hey, Messiah is coming. Jesus Christ, the the Lord is coming. He was preparing a way and he, he did it in such a manner that he said, it says that he would shout out, he would cry out with what? That he would say, and speak of repentance for the remission of sins. See, we're not heralding, we're not speaking of, we're not shouting out that the Messiah is coming. We believe that the Messiah had come, and He already died, and He rose again, but we do believe that the Messiah is going to return, and the Lord will return and bring His bride with Him. And so though our heralding is a little bit different, if you will, than what John the Baptist was, it is still nonetheless just as important that we would shout from the mountaintops that repentance is needed for the remission of sins because there's many who will go and lose a life and spend eternity in hell because nobody shared that gospel and that hope with them. And so this morning we are getting into Mark chapter number 1, And as I stated, the simple title of the sermon this morning is Prepare the Way. If you have your Bible with you, we'll be in Mark chapter 1. We're going to read the first eight verses, and then we'll kind of walk through those this morning. Again, thank you so much for being with us uh, this morning. It says this in verse number 1, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with the girdle of his skin About his loins he did eat locusts and wild honey, and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, that the latchet of his shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Father, I come to you this morning, and Lord, as I look out amongst those that are here, and I know there's people that are watching online and uh, that may watch this or listen to this later, Father, I pray that there's that your word would be taught, 
with purity, with boldness, and God, ultimately, your word would speak to the hearts of each and every one that hears this sermon. Father, I pray if there's one that doesn't know you as Savior today, Father, that they would come to you, that they would see their need of the repentance for the remission of sins that is mentioned in this pastor's scripture. Father, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I have three simple points this morning, and I, I feel like I say this often. I am a very, very simple-minded. Here's what I thought of when I was doing my study with the book of Mark. Uh, I, there were several things that obviously come to mind, but one of the things that I thought of was, if I were to be one that wrote down a gospel, it would probably be similar to this. Blunt, to the point, brief, probably leave out some things that maybe should be brought in there, which some of the other writers put in there, but that's just kind of me. And so as I go through this, I am a very, very simple kind of guy. And when I do a sermon, uh, I try to make it very simple. And uh, I don't know, for some that are very educational in heart, you might look at me and go, oh, what a dummy. But for others, it's okay. You go, hey, that guy's kind of down here where I'm at. Sometimes that's where I'm at. So uh, uh, nonetheless, I, am, I gave us three simple thoughts this morning. And the first one is this. Is our preparation in the gospel? Very, very simple. John the Baptist in the beginning, it says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as is written in the prophets. The very beginning, John the Baptist was the first prophet over 400 years. I want us to get some of this, lay out some of these things here before we dive into this. But John the Baptist, the first prophet over 400 years. There hadn't been anyone to come and, and herald or to, to speak, so to, so to speak, to these people, the children of Israel, in 400 years. There's been no prophets, no speaking of these things. And things really weren't all that great. There was a lot of fear. They were under the rule of Herod the Great. The, the promised land was nothing of what it once was. It was maybe despised by those that were all around them. They were truly God's word speaks of the believers as being an alien in this world. They were truly an alien in the midst of their culture. Things just weren't what it once was. They were led and ruled by Caesarea. I did this earlier. I could not say that word. Have you ever had a, like a complete brain dump and you're like looking at it going, what does that thing say? I did that in the first service. It's always great when you have a microphone and you're the one leading it. But they were led and ruled by Caesarea of Philippi on the coast, which was a Roman city. It was a pagan government that presided over them and demanded that honor be stowed to Augustus and to other pagan gods and to those leaders. Things were rough. I imagine questions that would probably be asked amongst themselves were things of, are we really God's chosen people? Will God ever send this Messiah that we've read about? Will there be a new king of the Jews? Mark writes of this, uh, of this beginning that was coming from John the Baptist, the, the herald, this, this gospel. He writes of all these things. And I, I say this this morning, and this is something that we all often know and we've talked about, but they were looking for a king. They were looking for somebody that was going to rule. They were looking for somebody that wasn't just going to come as a baby in a manger. They were looking for somebody that was going to bring them out from that Roman rule. They were looking for a, a military, mighty, powerful guy. And though Jesus really is all of that, 
He came as a baby born in a manger to live this life of sinlessness, to live this life of love and peace, to live this life of sharing and pointing up to, a fa- to his father. But they wanted somebody to come and conquer. Which is why they come to the end and they eventually would put Jesus on the cross because they, well, surely this guy's blasphemous. He is not the king. And so as we get into this passage of scripture, it makes a couple statements, some that we would recognize as already has been recognized i made the the reference to the gospel and you guys said the good news which is good i want to give some a little bit more depth to what those those meaning what that would have meant to the people at that time see because when we as church people we hear the gospel we think of the good news but to them it was just the same but it was so much deeper than that So as we get into this, the gospel means good news. To the Romans, it meant joyful news about the emperor. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news that our sins can be forgiven, that we can belong to the family of God and one day live eternally in heaven with the Lord. It is an announcement of victory over sin, death, and hell. Yet as we look at this passage of Scripture, as I stated, it was uh, written more with a Roman bent. And yes, there was Jews that would read it and would hear of it and all of those things, but it was written. And so when we look at this, there's two sides of this that we'll look at this morning. To the Jews, the gospel or good news meant glad tidings. It would speak to victory. It would speak to political triumph, a physical rescue. It could mean in a messianic context ultimate salvation of God's people through the messianic king. In Isaiah chapter 40 and verses 9 and 10, we see that. It says, O Zion, that bringest good tidings, or that word good news, the gospel. Get thee up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings. Lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid, say unto those cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. The good news was more than just victory. It was more than a physical rescue. It was an ultimate, triumphant victory that was spoke of in that passage of Scripture. See, they had been in great rebuke and judgment for years. Now there was deliverance. There was this ultimate victorious living that they were experiencing. Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 7 says something similar. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, or that good news, the gospel, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Mark used this word gospel so that every person around him would have understood it exactly what was happening. The gospel, but he says, of what? The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, royal exaltation, glorious tidings of the King of Kings to take his throne. For those not in Judaism, this made as much sense. Glad tidings of a coming king dated back a long time. Glad tidings would have been described the birth and reign of Caesar Augustus, who who was regarded as their divine delivery. The gospel functioned as a technical term to refer to the arrival, ascendancy, and triumph of an emperor. 
So the Romans would have understood. They understood this royal pronouncement of the declaring of a monarch that had arrived. Someone who would have ushered in a new order of salvation, of of peace, and of blessing. It is the beginning of this royal declaration. The following isn't the end. It is the beginning. For the history would still be written. And if you understand it, the history is still being written. Because the king hasn't come back. The Lord has not come back to take his church, his bride with him. Which is why we must do our part and continue to prepare the way of the Lord. We must be prepared to give. Jesus means Yahweh is salvation. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. And he shall bring forth the Son and shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. Christ is a title, Messiah, anointed one, royal title. Jewish readers would have completely understood. It goes on to say of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, speaks to his lineage. Mark comes right out and speaks of the arrival of the greatest king ever. He comes right out and throws this right there. Of this great king who would introduce, John would introduce the glorious kingdom of this salvation. I believe sometimes we look at this and we don't, we look through scripture sometimes, I do, and I don't really look at the full context of it. We read that verse of scripture and we say, well, that's a simple one, the beginning of the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But we fail sometimes, I fail sometimes, outside of studying, we just don't know some of the depth behind it. And see, when we look at the gospel, if I could say the gospel and you all said good news, and we would understand that, but to them, for John the Baptist to go out, he was the one that was crying in the wilderness, he was the one that was preparing the way, everybody around him would have known exactly because of what they had studied most of their entire lives. They would have been looking for that Messiah, that king. They would have been looking for somebody to, to, hey, he's preparing the way. He's out in the wilderness. He's, hey, I remember reading those things. And I think sometimes we, we don't dive into the depths of what these things are. It's an introduction of the gospel. It is the same gospel that we are to spread today. And I ask the question, as I will ask throughout this entire sermon this morning, in just simple terms, if we are prepared with the gospel, are we prepared with the good news? Do you know the good news? This gospel that saves us and brings us into salvation. This good news that gives us an eternal hope. That royal decree that we have. We just sung a song, I'm no longer slave to fear. You know, with, with the salvation that we have, I don't need to be afraid of those things. So the very first and simple thought this morning is our preparation in the gospel. The second thought, what is our preparation based on? 
What is our preparation based on? It begins, in my opinion, it kind of gets real at this point. The results we seek are only as deep as the preparation that we have. What are the results that you seek? In life, what are the results that we are seeking? Most people in this room, most people, myself included, so many times will go through our, our goals. It's the beginning of the year. It's the end of the first month of the beginning of the year. But we, we go through our goals, and oftentimes there's financial things in there. And oftentimes it's, it's things with our jobs and things with this and that and so on and so forth. And nowhere in our preparation, nowhere in our goal setting, and nowhere in uh, our lives oftentimes is truly a goal with a preparation that has a spiritual bent is inside of my goal setting is inside of my my mo for the year for the day for whatever it is a true preparation for what god would have for us or for me do i have a goal to lead people to the lord do i have a goal to share the gospel do i have a goal to do this or do i have a goal to do that And I would say this, if we don't seek to prepare because those results aren't necessarily in our goal settings, we'll get the result that we put in with the preparation. If I desire to do X, Y, and Z, most of the time I will fulfill those things. Why? Because I put in the work and the preparation behind it. So when we look at this this morning, what is our preparation based on? What is it based on? The story that John was telling is the same story that you and I are to be telling. Who will prepare your way before you? Who goes before the king to pronounce that royal proclamation? We all know this and we, we understand some of those things. When the king is coming to town, what do they do? They gotta, there's a, somebody, that, there's a group of them that are going beforehand and they're gonna go a day and two days and a week and three weeks, whatever it is, and they're gonna begin to, to clean out the roads and they're gonna begin to take off all of the, the stuff in the road and the potholes are gonna be filled and all the, road, the leaves and the, the junk that has been filling into the roads that's not been cleaned up for a period of time are gonna be cleaned out Why? because everything has to be perfect we do the same thing in our country when the president comes into town what happens everything gets cleaned out how many of you have been stuck in a motorcade of some sort in las vegas because of a president that's been in town i have it's really annoying and you're like what is going on oh that's right the president's in town today we should be like that's really cool but we're like oh the traffic is horrible now i'm stuck The preparation that comes, or the preparation that doesn't come, which causes you to stick in traffic because you didn't know the president was in town. (laughs) But when we look at all of those things, the group that would go before and to prepare that way, there's a group, there's somebody that is going before to pronounce and to make sure that there's safety and to make sure that all of those things, because there's an official messenger There's a king that's coming. And John the Baptist was to go and to prepare to make sure the people were prepared. See, the preparation that we have is so much deeper than just, oh, a president's coming. The preparation that you and I are called to is deeper than just some royalty that's coming into town. His goal and his 
thing was to prepare the way. It was the people. That the people would be prepared for the Messiah that was to come. See, ours isn't so much that the roads are cleaned off. It isn't so much that the weeds are all taken care of. It isn't so much that the sniper is is this or that. And we understand all of those things. Ours is that it's people. See, God was invested and worried about people. God came to seek and to save that which was lost. That is people. And we have to be the same. Are we preparing the people? Are we telling the people? I just read or I just watched uh, Sight and Sound. I don't know if you follow anything with sight and sound, but sight and sound does an incredible job of doing live theater based around gospel messages. If you've never done it, look them up. They're great. They're phenomenal. If you get a chance to be in Pennsylvania or uh, Branson, Missouri, and we're allowed to have live theater, go. It's incredible. But they did a live one. Not, they did it several years ago, but it was live on their app or something just this weekend, and it was Noah. And as I'm watching this with the family and we sat down and had some pizza, it's good for the healthy body, Um, we're watching and obviously I've been studying all week on this and I come to a place of watching this story of Noah. It's a story that we've all know. We know that there was an ark that was built and people didn't make it on the ark except for the family. But it was just one of those light bulb switches because it was there and my mind was on it Noah was the same as John the Baptist which is the same that you and I are hey it's going to get nasty really quick I want to tell you about a savior that's coming so that you don't have to go and be a part of it the repentance for the remission of sin Noah did the same thing You want to come on the boat? Come on the ark. Come on the ark. And I guarantee there were many that would come to the ark and they would say, one, uh, rain? What is that? But then when Noah would say, there's going to be a great flood and everybody is going to die. Everything that's breathing is going to die and everything. And they would say, oh, I need to get on that boat because I don't want to be a part of that. And he would look at him and he would say, hey, you need to follow and place your faith in God. Ah, well, I, I want to be on the boat. I don't want to do that. The same thing that we do today. We have to be the herald. We have to proclaim. We have to be the one that's preparing the way. In Malachi chapter 3, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. It says, As it is written, the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face which shall prepare thy way. And in verse 3, it says this out of Isaiah chapter 40. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Literally, the people would flee. They would come flocking to hear. It says it in Matthew chapter 3, there's a, a parallel passage here, and then in verse number five, and there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were baptized of him in the river. People came from all over to come and hear what John the Baptist had to say. They came to hear what this guy in the middle of the wilderness had to say, who was dressed not professional at all, who wasn't probably the most eloquent guy at all, who really didn't even have a place to call his own, who was just some guy 
Yes, he was called by God, but he was just a guy in the middle of the wilderness that chose to go and seek the face of God. And herald and shout and proclaim, I wish I could go stand in the desert all by myself and begin to cry out, Hey, Vegas! Would you repent of your sins? God loves you and he's coming back. And people from all over the state and all around the country would just come to hear me. That'd be pretty cool. That's literally what was taking place. They were waiting for this prophet. They were waiting. They hadn't had a prophet in 400 years And so they heard and they knew that the guy that was out in the middle of the wilderness preparing and preaching and teaching See, there was a lot of tradition in that day. The same that there is for you and I. Somebody has to go before Make the path straight. I don't know all the statistics, but the statistics are not very high for the person that hears the gospel the very first time that gives their life to Christ. Usually it's a process. Person after person after person after person. Service after service. Whatever it would be, I can think of people in my own life that I would share the gospel with and I would just try to do my best to live a life that's honoring to the Lord in front of them and love them and care for them and do things for them and provide for them and to do those things and continue to share the love of Christ. And three months and six months and nine months and a year goes on and I, I'll say to Mindy, Mindy, I just, I pray, I, I believe that they're close. Have you said it? I believe that they're so close to to truly, you know what all that was is some cutting down of all the weeds around their life and cutting down of all of these things so that the, the path could be prepared because God is working in their life the same. And John the Baptist was going and he was shouting and he was screaming. There has to be a preparation. See, there was a lot of dead men walking, believing in the traditions of man that they had. And he stood out in the wilderness and cried out, repent, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. Do I desire to see the results in my life that are for Christ? Am I preparing spiritually? Am I trusting in him that I too could cry out in the middle of a desert preparing the way? See, John cried out to make the path straight. He cried out for the repentance, for the remission of sins. And I love the, the way that just how God works throughout Scripture because he makes that statement, prepare you the way of the Lord, making the path straight. And he's speaking to, in large part, a group of people that have a Roman background. And what was one of the things that the Romans came in and that they did that we still use today? 
They built roads. They came and they made the crooked paths straight. What once was a hike up and around and down and over and around the mountain that took hours and hours and hours, they came in and they figured out how they could cut stuff away and go through the mountain and make a path straight. Just little things. How God just uses scripture to, I believe, make sense to all of us at different places and different times. But we see those things. He also spoke of baptism, of repentance and remission of sin. This baptism was a symbol of repentance, a washing away of their sin. In ancient times, the the envoy of the arriving king would go before him, removing all the obstacles in the path and making sure the people were ready to receive the king. But how were the people to prepare for the arrival of the messianic king? See, they needed to forsake their sin and receive God's forgiveness. In order to demonstrate their repentance, John, John called them to be baptized. This was a one-time act that was different than the ritualistic Jewish washings, but yet it would have made sense to both parties. For many as a Gentile proselyte, they would have been baptized to show a rejection of their pagan belief system and now coming into a Jewish faith in Judaism. So it wasn't a baptism into Judaism rather it was a baptism of the repentance the turning away from that internal change of their heart that was an external symbol to those a genuine turning from sin and self to God true repentance involves the transformation of one's nature thus only a miraculous act of God this outward profession of an inward repentance this act did not produce forgiveness rather an external symbol of our faith and repentance forgiveness is a the gracious gift of a loving god through faith and so when we see this and we see that there was this this act of of baptism there that wasn't there that wasn't salvation no more than it is salvation today Baptism does not save us. It does not do that for us. But to them, even then, it was that they are turning away from these things to be a follower of the Messiah that was to come. They were saying no. It might be similar as we talked about the Noah thing. Oh, I believe, I want to jump on the boat because I don't want to, I don't want to be in the flood. I don't even know if I believe you, but I still want to get on that boat because I don't want to be in the flood. That means I'm gonna, that means I'm dying. And Noah looking at him and saying, Do you do you believe in God? Do you believe in the Almighty God? Do you place your faith in God? To which they might say, Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I just want to get on the boat. See, to them, I've said this many, many times, baptism is different to them than it is to us because it meant something different not the meaning of symbolism but the meaning of what it meant for their personal life if you are a follower of Jesus that could be detrimental to your livelihood that could be detrimental to many things so they would Give this act, and many that did that, for the remission of sin, just as 
we look at this, and as I go to this next point, we were studying and talking about this, and we do a meeting on Mondays, and Dan made the reference when, it was, when the, the question came up of what is the remission of sin, and Dan makes this reference of cancer and the remission of cancer. When we are in remission of cancer, it's that the cancer cells are in remission. They're no longer in your body. They are leaving your body, and it's the same thing when it comes to our sin, sin, that remission of sin, that forgiveness. It is our sin is no longer in us. We are in remission of that. And that is that we have been washed clean. We have been completely forgiven. God says, the word of God says that he takes our sin and throws it as far as the east is to the west. He makes us pure. He makes us whole. He washes us clean. There's a repentance. I would wonder this morning if there's anybody that has never repented and turned and said, God, I need repentance. I need the remission, the forgiveness of sin in my life. The last thought this morning is, does my preparation point to the coming and mighty king? See, as we go through this passage of scripture, we see the beginning, we see the gospel, we see uh, the storyline of, of John the Baptist that is baptizing and is bringing people in and they're coming from everywhere. And then it says in verse number seven, and preached saying, there, there cometh, One mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. In closing this morning, there there is one who is mightier than I. I think one of the greatest, the greatest and most difficult aspects of Christianity and truly seeking the face of God is humility. I do not believe, and I believe this is accurate, but something that has hit me many years ago, humility is at the foundation of all things our Christian life. I will never come to know Christ outside of humility. I will never walk with Christ outside of humility. I will never be obedient in my life outside of humility because it's me. Uh, There's a a humility of me coming to my knees and saying, I am not the God, he is. And I humble myself before you in saying, I have sin. I humble myself before you to say, I need you for the forgiveness of sins. I repent and turn and I say, God, I need you out of humility. I am worthless I can do nothing in and of myself. I need you. And so when I come to this passage of Scripture and I look at this, uh, this, this thought here, what, what is made reference and preach saying, there, is, there cometh one mightier than I. I look at John and I, I think of him standing in the wilderness and I think of the natural man that could come out and think of, oh, look how awesome that I am. I am standing in the wilderness. I've never put out a flyer. I never gave money to an ad. I never did anything. I have skin of an animal on myself. But yet people from everywhere are just flocking to hear what I have to say. (laughs) But he comes to this place and he, he shares all of those things And I don't know why he said this or where this comes into the context of all of it. And maybe I could have done a better job of just putting it all together from all the other gospels. But he comes to that place and he says, but there's one that's coming after me. 
who I can't even tie his shoes. I am not worthy to get down and undo his shoe. And he says, that is the king who comes. All I can do is tell you of him. I can share, I can, I, I can plead with you, I can, I can do the best that I can to prepare the way to tell you that you, listen, you, you need to be prepared because he's coming. You need to be prepared because, because this, is, this is what's happening, this is what's taking place. You need to, but I, I'm not even worthy to, to touch his shoes, to unlatch his shoes. The king that is coming is so mighty. He is so mighty. Sometimes I, sometimes I, I think, God, you're a lucky, lucky God to have used me. We all do it. I just have a voice to say it out here. God, you sure, you sure chose the right one this time. Because look at, look at all that's going on. That's where I'm at sometimes in my life. <laughs> I fall into this pride. I fall into this arrogance. I fall into this, that I have something together. And I think when it comes to this, and as I was just kind of putting these pieces together, putting different thoughts together, John the Baptist had to have come to a place where he thought, oh God, I can't even, I can't even unlatch your, undo your shoes. You could go back to the Old Testament, Moses or any of them, where they would say, I, I can't even, Look at him. Can't even look at God. Because you're mighty. You're holy. I'm unworthy. And he comes to that place and he shares all of those things. He says, I will baptize you with water. All I can do is is prepare. I can, I can share with you. I can tell you. And I can baptize you with water, which is really just an external cleansing and just a symbol of all of those things. But the one that comes, I can't even, I can't even loose his, loosen his shoes, but he's going to come and he will baptize you and he will cleanse you from the inside out. All I can do is just present it. He is the one. I love this little story that I heard. David Livingston was a pioneer missionary in Africa. And he brought some of the natives with him from the deep, dark interior of the country out into the coast. And there the land suddenly ended. Think about that. You've always just been inside. You don't have a, you don't have a phone to look at what it... Oh, there's water out there. There's this, there's that. They've been inside of the jungle. They've been in the depths of this interior of the country. And David Livingston takes them out. And it says this. It says that the one of them said, We followed the white father through forests and across the plains, up mountains into deep valleys. The land went on and on and on. And then all of a sudden it came to an end. 
There is no more of me. John said just that. There is no more of me. Those people came to the end and they're like, well, there's no more land. It's just water. It's just water. For as far as they could see, it was just water. They came to the end. We must get to the place where we come to the end of ourselves to say, there's no more of me. John came to the end of himself and he said, listen, all I can do is baptize you and it just kind of cleanses. It's a symbolic. It's going to cleanse you from the outside. It's going to show a repentance. It's going to show this turning. But he, he is the one who is going to wash you clean. He is the one from the inside. Listen, this morning I'll tell you, I cannot save you. I cannot change a heart. I can't do any of those things. All I can do is prepare for what God places before me. I can tell you. I can try to live a life that is pure and godly. I can display what God has placed before me using spiritual gifts and using what God has given to me. But here's what we have to do. All of us have to come to a place and say, but I can't do that. All I can do is share with you. I'm just here to prepare the way. That's all. I'm just going to share the way. Woody, I'm going to take you and I'm going to share Jesus with you and I'm going to love you and I'm going to care for you and I'm going to do all that I can for you. But God has to do the rest. I can't do anymore. The person that you know, that you love, that you're praying that they would come to know Christ as Savior, all you can do is you have to come to the place and say, I'm doing everything. But God, I can't save I wish I could. I wish I could. I wish I could save. I'll never forget the day that I sat in my office where there was a gentleman who used to, at our old facility, we had a gymnasium and we would rent it out. And the guy that would help us with the gymnasium, he would come. He was a firefighter, big old guy, super, super kind. But he just sat in my office and one day I just, I have to share, the, I have to tell this guy about Jesus. And I had invited him to church and I had done all of those things and I shared with him and I shared with him and I shared with him and his eyes welled up with tears and in, in myself I'm going, yes, yes, he's getting it. And he looked at me and he said, but I just, I can't. My heart broke. My heart broke. But you know what? I realized I could only prepare it. I could only take it to a point. I could only say it. I could only offer it. I could only pray for him. I could only show him the love of Jesus. He had to come to a place to say, God, I need you. I couldn't save that man no more than I can today. But are we prepared to love and to bring somebody to a place where we say, that's all I can do. And I continue to pray. I continue to pray. See, John the Baptist came to that place. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. As we look at that this morning, it's really simple. Sometimes we make these things so much more difficult than they are. John express to them their natural heart of sin and that in salvation Jesus
could mend that new heart and give them a brand new heart. And that the Messiah was coming to wash you, to transform you, to cleanse you from the inside. This baptism is, is of the Spirit is in reference to the regenerative work of salvation, not a post-conversion experience. It is the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit that occurs at the moment of salvation is all that this is speaking of. He was using it as a symbol. All I can do is wash you here, but God can cleanse you from the inside. God will wash you and make you new. And this morning I ask you, as I close out and as I come to a, just a brief time of invitation as we do every week, I ask Maybe one of you that are in the room, maybe you listen online and there's never been a moment for you in your life that you said, God, I need that washing. I need to repent. I need to literally stop going in the direction that I'm going and repent and turn and head to you that you would be the one that would forgive and wash clean the sin that is in my life. Maybe there's somebody here today that simply needs that salvation. I've sat in church many years. I've heard the stories. I know it. But I've never humbled myself before God to say, God, it's not just what I know, it's what I know in my heart. And I'm asking that you transform my heart. Maybe today, church member or believer that sits here, the preparation that is needed is a spiritual preparation. Do I have a desire to, spe- to see a spiritual results in my life and in the lives of those that are near me and around me? Or am I okay just sitting and doing the thing that I'm doing? I just plead with you today. It's our job to prepare the way. I've been speaking it for the last three weeks The Lord is coming back. The return is not too far off. I have no idea when it's going to be, but it's coming. Will I prepare the way before Him? Or am I comfortable sitting where I'm at, just making sure that that my little circle is okay? Church, we have a job to do. Believer, we have a job to do. Father, I come to you today. And Lord, John the Baptist preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. That as he stood and he shared the sinfulness of man that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But he told them the one that is coming. I say today, 
All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But I say also today that though the wages of sin is death, though the the life that I live of being born, of having sin in my life is death, you have made a way and the gift of God is eternal life. God, would we cry out to you? God, maybe there's somebody that doesn't know you as Savior. Father, would they cry out to you to know you as Lord and Savior? Father, would it be our hearts cry as believers that we would live a life but understand that we could only take somebody so far, but God, that you would break our hearts to point people to you. Father, would you move? Would you convict? Would you allow those as believers this morning to not sleep at night, but to be wrestling with you over those that we know that are in our, in our lives that do not know you as Savior? Father, that souls would be one. Father, for the one that might be listening, the one that might be sitting in this room that doesn't know you as Savior, God, would you stir in them? Would you create such a stir, such a wrestling inside of them that they could only but fall before you? That the love that you have would compel them, as we looked at last week, to yourself. Father, thank you for meeting with us. This morning as we sit here, I just ask you, church, those that are here, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you don't, I would plead with you. Why not walk forward right now? Why not get up out of a chair and walk forward to say, God, I need you. There is no embarrassment in that. There's a group of people that will rejoice and shout. Why not today? Why not ask that God would do a miraculous work in your heart? Church, why not you? What are you struggling with? What are you crying? What is holding you back from preparing the way? Why are we not? What if we just cried out to him? What if we quit worrying about what the person beside us is thinking and bowed at an old-fashioned altar and just said, God, use me. Why not respond right now?